Hello and welcome to Baylor Connections, a conversation series with the people shaping our future. Each week we go in depth with Baylor leaders, professors, and more discussing important topics in higher education, research, and student life. I'm Derek Smith, and today we are talking about a special Baylor initiative that serves others. It's called Bear Aid. Bear Aid was formed in 2020 to take food and supplies to individuals in quarantine. Since then, this outreach of Baylor Spiritual Life has involved students in a variety of service trips to address needs in Texas, Louisiana, and Kentucky after weather events like tornadoes, ice storms, and more. Joining us today on the program are two individuals who have been a big part of that, Rebecca Kennedy, Baylor's Assistant Dean of Spiritual Life and Missions and Associate Chaplain in Baylor Spiritual Life. Joining her today is a Baylor student, Mason Flippin, a rising senior journalism major from Robinson, Texas. He's visited Mayfield, Kentucky with Bear Aid to serve with his fellow students there after a devastating tornado. Bear Aid's short-term goal is to continue to help Waco and Texas communities when natural disaster relief is needed through an on-call student team with long-term plans to address to advance the project globally. Really pleased to have you both with us today on the program. Rebecca Mason, thanks for taking the time to, to join and share about this, uh, this really great program. Good to be here with you, Derek. Thanks for having us. Well, it's it's great to have you both here to get the Baylor, uh, you know, faculty and staff and student perspective, uh, both both sides of this great work. And Rebecca, I want to start with you. Uh, take us a little further into Bear Aid than I just did. Uh, how would you describe it and, and how it works? Okay. Well, um, I came into this organically. I knew very little about disaster relief. Um, I know global missions, and that's what I've been doing and operating uh, for the last 15 or so years. Uh, so as I began to learn more about disaster relief, I learned that there are four stages. There's rescue, relief, recovery, and rebuild. So given some of the parameters of our work with college students, uh, it became clear that the practical and feasible stages for us to focus would be in those two middle sections called relief and recovery. So our bear aid is twofold. We have a relief effort, which is short-term response within a few days of a disaster. We also make it within a three to five mile or I'm sorry, three to five hour drive from campus, and it's a weekend project. So for example, a tornado hits Salado, we make a call out to our uh, short-term relief team and say, we're going to leave campus at 5 p.m. on Friday, and we're going to return Sunday afternoon. We need 20 volunteers who can go. Um, and then the second phase of that is the recovery phase, and, and that looks very similar to our one to two week mission trips. They're led by faculty or staff, and they work on a project that's a few months or even up to two years after a disaster, depending on the nature of the disaster. So that work is geared more toward house cleanup, tear down. If it's a flood or hurricane, you're mucking out the house some minor construction, uh, moving construction materials from one location to another. So it's long-term projects. Uh, and students are drawn to different stages with little, little overlap in between the two. 
Yeah, so that's, so, a, that's a little bit about bear aid. No, that's great. So you can have uh, impromptu needs quickly, but then also longer term right. projects, as you said. Exactly. It was created in 2020. Uh, was it always intended to be a long-term program or was there a, a time when you discovered, we all realized it could be a lasting program? So I want to talk a little bit about the how it all began. Um, and it's no coincidence that I recommended that Mason be on uh, this program with us today because it was really Mason's mother, Polly Flippin, who's my colleague, uh, that was we were together and the idea was birthed through our conversation. So um, this began when we were literally grounded from travel. So 2020, we had teams go out during spring break, and thankfully, we got them all back just before everyone was sheltered in place. So as I began to think about how we would engage students, we didn't know at that time how long the pandemic would last, what would be the lasting effects of it, when we would be able to travel again. And so it was during that time period that Hurricane Ida hit Louisiana. So. Polly and I were talking and texting from home and said, hey, um, I think we should take supplies down to, to Houma, Louisiana. So we drove with a uh, just the two of us in a suburban packed full of supplies, and it was completely eye-opening. We didn't know what we were kind of driving into, and we saw tremendous tremendous need that our students had the energy and passion to fill. So on the way back from that trip, as we began to brainstorm and, and think about how we might be able to do this, that kind of work, I said, we can't be a burden on a community that has lost everything. So we need to find a way to be self-sufficient. So when Polly said, what we need is a trailer that can feed a large number of people, including our own students, I knew, I knew then that we were onto something. So a month later, we announced we were going to do a fall break to Laplace, Louisiana, and 150 students signed up. And that's when I knew that students would respond. Mason, I want to bring you into the conversation here. Obviously, I think you were aware from this program from the very get-go uh, with your family's involvement. But from your vantage point, what did it look like seeing other students kind of hear the call go out and to uh, to to jump on board. What, what did that look like to you and what did that feel like to you? No, it was really awesome. Um, obviously, I didn't have to go very far to figure out about it, like you said. Um, but for me, it was always something that I knew I wanted to be involved with, um, but I didn't know how many other people were going to be interested in this sort of thing um, and how many people from Baylor would say for like our Mayfield trip, be interested in taking the time like that they're designated a week break and spring break and take that and use it to serve others. I didn't know how many people would be interested in that. Um, so for me personally, it was really cool to see um, some of the fellow students at Baylor step up and take that time and set it away from themselves and put it towards good for others. Um, and that was just a really interesting perspective. And it really showed like, I think one of Baylor's ideals of like serving and that you would take this time that you have just a small break in the middle of a long semester and you know it's stressful and you're getting prepared for midterms and finals um, and that you would take that and set it aside and use that to focus on others instead of yourself. Mason, I know you've been to Mayfield, Kentucky after a tornado. Have you been elsewhere with Barrett as well? I have not. I've been to Mayfield twice, um, but that's all I've been able to do so far. 
Well, you've been to Mayfield. I know Becky talked about uh, Homa. I know after ice storms in, in, in Austin, tornadoes in Salado. So, you know, I know you're not talking for every uh, every trip, but about regarding Mayfield, Kentucky a little bit, you and your fellow students, would you describe for us the settings you found yourself in, the, the, the situations? You know, you leave Waco, you hit the interstate, and you're immersed in someone else's world where there's great need. What was that like for you? It's definitely eye-opening for sure. It's something that you have to kind of process in like waves. Um, and it's something that I think you process a lot more of looking back on it towards the end of the trip. And you kind of start to see it in the holistic picture of what it was. Um, so the first time we went, we uh, we got to, uh, to Mayfield and we go downtown after a long, we drove 10, 12 hours straight, very long day. Um, and we drive straight to downtown where the most of the damage was. And you see what looks like parts of a town coming into it. There's nothing really out of the ordinary, some things strewed away. And then all of a sudden you round a corner and there's just rows and rows of just debris and rubble and just this entire downtown area was destroyed and there's nothing left standing. Um, but there's lights working. There's a CVS right across from where there's nothing that's completely standing and open. And so it's just a really shock and awe factor when we first got there. And then once you get to integrate with the community and see the people that you're helping, that's where I found, um, I think a lot of the people on my trip and others would agree that what you really take away from it is the people and the impact that you can have on people in these dire situations where they just lost everything. But I think what you don't expect when you get there, but you realize when you leave is what you give, but what you take away with you in the experience and the learning and just kind of realizing that even though these people just went through the worst imaginable situation possible and they just lost everything, they have so much kindness and so much willingness to, and thank for you being there. Cause that's one thing we also discovered while we were there is it's very hard to receive help. It's very hard to receive help when you don't want to expect it. And so being able to like kind of be that bridge for them is a really, really nice aspect because you can see them like wind down a little and like welcome the help versus fighting it when it first happened, I'd assume. You know, Mason, you talked about the people and that impact. Uh, what, what are some moments that stand out, whether it's situations that, you know, our neighbors in Kentucky or other places find themselves in or just conversations you had? Take that any direction that really kind of moments that really kind of left an imprint on you. Absolutely. So I think the biggest impact I've had was during my um, first trip to Kentucky when we were serving in a, um, I think it was like a food can drive. It was just, they turned the uh, the local fairground into just an all around need-based like grocery store that you can come and get what you need, no cost to you. And you can just come shop and give a little bit of that normalcy back to the people. So it's not like you're just going to a donation site and picking up from that. And that was one thing they focused on a lot was making it something of normalcy to try and help build that back for the people that live there and so i think one of the biggest things i took away from there was just the people all of the local people that i met and some of the conversations that i was able to have and the people that were there helping as well from all over the world um, that had come in there was a gentleman from new jersey who um, me and another person on the trip helped a lot um, and worked with and he was so kind and welcoming and just showed us everything that we could do to help and he was so funny and cracking jokes the entire time and then some of the people that we met there would just have these deep conversations with us and just um, kind of peel back about what they were going through. I know there was this older lady um, who was so friendly. She was working, but she had just lost her home and she was helping others. 
she lost her home in this tornado and she still took the kindness out of her heart to go and work with others. And I think that really showed the impact that people have on each other is, you know, you just lost all your things, but you still love people that much that you want to go out of your way. And instead of recovering for yourself, you're going to help others do it first. Great insights. And, and Rebecca, I want to ask you the same thing. Uh, wh wh where all have you gone with Buried and what are some of the moments that stand out, out for you as it relates to serving the people in the communities? So like Mason, I've been to Mayfield twice uh, to lead a team there with Polly. Uh, and we've also taken um, a group to uh, Jacksboro, Texas, uh, just for the day when a tornado hit there. And then uh, been to Rolling Fork, Mississippi. We got there, I guess, three days after they were hit. Very much like Mayfield, where it wiped out the entire town. Um, and we also have done some local things. Uh, and it's not only out of disaster, but out of need. So we have partnered with Mission Waco and taken our trailer down to feed breakfast uh, to Church Under the Bridge folks. And we've um, also taken it to Austin, Texas, when there was a winter storm to help help homeless. Uh, but for me, it was Mayfield and uh, Homa, Jacksboro, Rolling Fork. And I think the thing that stands out to me is Mayfield, <clears throat> much like Mason. Uh, and there's several reasons. Uh, the first time I visited was just a couple of weeks after the tornado hit. So it was January of 2022. Um, and I was with, I took two staff members with me. Uh, and as we were driving into town, just like Mason said, you, you see some tin here, some branches there. And then when you turn a corner, it looked very much like a war zone, as if an army of tanks rolled through the downtown area. It was mass destruction that I, I had never seen before. And so the three of us drove around in silence, just trying to process and take everything in. We knew the story about the candle factory that had been, been the site where people lost their lives. So we, we were looking for that location following GPS. We couldn't find it. So it wasn't until I saw a parking lot with large tanker trucks on their sides and the smashed cars that they had rolled over that I realized we were in the parking lot of what had been the candle factory. I'm assuming it was the very first thing they cleaned up just because of the, uh, the fatalities so we sat there in silence and tears for quite a while. Um, and then when I returned in March with a team of students, including Mason, I took them to the spot that first day after church. And we had a time of prayer for that community and the families um, that lost loved ones. So it was a divinely powerful moment for me. This is Baylor Connections. We are visiting with Rebecca Kennedy, Assistant Dean of Spiritual Life and Missions and Associate Chaplain in Baylor Spiritual Life, and Mason Flippin, a Baylor student, a rising senior journalism major from Robinson, Texas. Uh, Rebecca, you view it from, you know, you see kind of two lenses. You see the people being served in the community and that impact, but also mm -hmm. the impact that it's having on the students. What, what are some of your observations as you interact with the Baylor students who take the time to serve? 
it's um it's interesting that you asked me that question because I'm just sitting here looking at Mason that I've known since he was in fourth grade. Now, this is a little bit different situation because I've worked with his mom, Polly, for that long. And I've known him all those years. And as I'm listening to him answer your questions, I am somewhat emotional because I've seen the growth in him. Uh, and the way he sees the world, which is different than when he was in the fourth grade. Uh, you've grown up, Mason. Um, but I also see that in a short time with students. I have, it, it was one of the things that I missed uh, when I began, uh, became the assistant dean and, and moved more into the administration role. So I'm thankful that I have this opportunity that I can still be uh, with students as they experience these things, because it, it truly can be transformational. I've seen students have these experiences and decide to change their major because of it. I've had, I've seen students and heard students say, because of this experience, I want to be more serious about my major and how I can serve people. Uh, so it, it's hard to do this kind of work and not be changed in some way. Uh, so that for me is, I love the work that we do and that we're able to go in and help a community. But more importantly to me, because of the work that I do is seeing the lasting impact that it has on our students. Mason, uh, to, to build on what she said there, you talked about, uh, you know, processing what you see in, in kind of different waves. What are some of the ways that spiritual life and Rebecca or, or just your fellow classmates that you all work together to, to, to process what it is that you're seeing as you do what you're doing? Yeah, I think that was one thing that um, was really um, a nice aspect of our trip. Um, the first time we went to Kentucky, um, we had been given this little packet of things that we could take with us um, from spiritual life. So it was like a little card, a little reflection book, and a little journal. And so I know there were several of us on the trip that would take time out of our day and kind of write in that journal. And it was pre-made. It gave you like little prompts, like, what did you do today? This is what experience, how do you feel? How do you feel changed? What did you experience? What stood out to you? And things like that. And it was really nice to sit down at the end of the day and be thoughtful about what I had seen and what we had done and kind of write that down and be able to go back and look at that. And I know um, also on that trip, we would sit down at the end of every day. Um, the place where we were staying was this, it was basically like a summer camp lodging was great. We had this communal area where we could come in and hang out as a group and just get to know each other. And we really meshed well in that area and we got to know each other. And then at the end of each day, we would go back to that same spot and then have a really deep reflections on what we had seen and decompress. And uh, I know Becky did a really fantastic job in initiating that conversation for us and really helped like drive into us like what we were seeing and how we saw what we saw would change us. And it made us think more about it the more we got into the trip. Great insights there, Mason. And as, as we end in the final few minutes of the program, Becky, I want to ask, you know, you mentioned, um, you know, you've had the trailer, uh, the trailer provides a great resource. And we know there's never going to be a shortage of opportunities to serve. So as you look uh, in the uh, weeks and years ahead, what are some ways you see uh, you see Bear Aid building on what you've done so far? 
So one of the things that we've uh, started doing is connecting with local emergency management uh, professionals, not only in Waco, but um, in Texas, uh, national uh, agencies and organizations, because one, we want to learn. We, we Again, this is not our area of expertise, any of us. We've learned a lot. Some of it's just through mistakes. But it's really, once you get into it, it's a small field and a lot of people are connected. So one of the partnerships that we have is uh, what used to be Texas Baptist Men um, with the yellow shirts. So uh, all the Baptists listening out there will probably know what I'm talking about. Now they're called Texans on Mission. Uh, so we, and they're out of the Baptist General Convention of Texas, they are the, the disaster relief arm of the BGCT. So we've had some of their uh, leaders come down and train our students. Uh, so we want our students to, to be prepared, knowing that this will this is not their full-time thing. Of course, they're full-time students, but we want to be as prepared as possible and um, so long term, I see us, like you said, I mean, storms are more frequently and they're more severe in some ways. So we we want to be able to do that, show our love and care as a university. I think this is one more opportunity that Baylor can do that. And if students are interested in learning more, if there are any individuals who want to play a role in helping Bear Aid uh, grow or get needed supplies or anything like that, what are some of the best ways to do that? So we will be communicating through all of Baylor social media, normal ways of beginning of school. If you're interested, this is how you can be involved. But also I would say, reach out to myself, reach out to Mason, come to Spiritual Life. We're a small uh, department. So anybody can point you in the right direction. If it's something you wanna do, we have, you can do it one time, you can do it many times. You can do it for a week. You can do it for a weekend. So uh, come try it out. We'll prepare you. We'll train you. Um, and it's very re rewarding. That's wonderful. A lot of great work being done. We hope people will uh, take a look at, uh, at getting involved. Well, Rebecca, Mason, I really appreciate your time today. Uh, thanks for joining us. And uh, thanks for the great work you've done. Thank you, Derek. Thanks. Thank you both very much. Rebecca Kennedy, Assistant Dean of Spiritual Life and Missions and Associate Chaplain in Baylor Spiritual Life, and Mason Flippin, a rising senior journalism major, Baylor student, our guest today on Baylor Connections. I'm Derek Smith. A reminder, you can hear this and other programs online at baylor.edu slash connections, and you can subscribe to the program on iTunes. Thanks for joining us here on Baylor Connections.